before we begin the uh, Dhamma sharing today, I'd like to invite everyone to put our palms together and uh, salute the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. Namu Tassu Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasu Namu Tassu Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasu Namu Tassu Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasu Sabesata Sugi Hontu, may all beings near or far, known or unknown, seen or unseen, be well, happy and peaceful, and may you too be well, happy and peaceful. Mm. Once again, a uh, very good morning, and I'd like to uh, firstly express my uh, deep gratitude to uh, Buddhist Fellowship for kindly inviting uh, me to come back to uh, Singapore to give this uh, morning's talk. And uh, it's true that what Brother Jerry said, um, every month we have uh, at least one bus load uh, from the Buddhist Fellowship uh, arriving at Nalanda. So I think it must have something to do with the uh, depreciating ringgit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd uh, like to also acknowledge uh, my, the presence of my parents. My father and my mother is here for the first time uh, in Singapore Buddhist Fellowship to also participate in this talk. And also my uncle is also uh, present today for the first time. And uh, to all of you, friends and devotees of BF, those that I, I know for some time, and uh, to the exco, and to the volunteers, to the youths, uh, thank you for inviting me back to Buddhist Fellowship. Today's uh, talk is on uh, liberation. Right? What aspect of liberation? Hmm? What what aspect of liberation? Hmm? Nibbana is liberation, correct? Well, Buddha's teaching is often called the path to liberation. Compared to other religions, um, the key to being a Buddhist is not to uh, have a lot of faith, unquestioning faith. For example, Christianity talks about the importance, the central uh, essence of Christianity is to establish a lot of faith. In Islam, the central tenet is obedience, the obedience, of course, to God. But in Buddhism, the central tenet, the essence, is actually in 
cultivation. So Buddhism is known as the path to liberation. Liberate from what? Liberation from unhappiness, suffering, discomfort, dis-ease. And this comes in all forms, you know, all forms of suffering, such as physical suffering, mental, spiritually too, we suffer. So the path of liberation from suffering is what many people describe Buddhism as. Yeah. But what prevents us from liberating ourselves from suffering? The Buddha mentioned that there are causes to suffering. The causes to our unhappiness, to our discomfort, is actually called kilesa in Pali language. In English, defilements. Otherwise known as impurities. Yeah. If we have uh, stains, that means physically we call that thing unclean. But if we have defilements, then mentally and spiritually, we call that uh, impure or ignoble. So it is that defilements, that kilesa, that actually prevents us from liberation. So if we want to liberate ourselves from suffering and discomfort, then we have to cultivate ourselves in order to free ourselves from that defilements. So Buddhism is also known because of that as the path of cultivation. So it is known as the path of liberation or the path of purification, freeing ourselves from defilements. We call it Vishuddhi Marga. Vimukha Marga, the path to liberation, and Vishuddhi Marga, the path to purification. It is also the path of cultivation, Patipada Marga. So these are the few descriptions that people have given to the teachings of the Buddha. Yeah. What do Buddhists cultivate? Yeah, there are a lot of things. Since this is a path, yeah, we say path of liberation, a path of purification, and path of cultivation. A path means, yeah, in Malay we say deny, uh, not jalan, yeah, but uh, a path. Not highway because not many people walk this path. So, maybe just this path. And since this is a path, it's very important that we know whether we are on the right path. So, I would like to start from the beginning of the path because many people have gone down and turned left, turned right, U turn, uh, shortcut, and then end up on the wrong path. So why not we go back and revisit the beginning of the path? Yeah. So what do we do at the beginning of the path? Yeah. If liberation comes from purification, purification is attained from cultivation, then we have to know how to start cultivating our character, how to cultivate. Yeah. The Buddha often taught disciples. The path of cultivation begins with dana. Dana 
Sil, Bhavana. What are these three? Dana means generosity, the spirit of liberal sharing and giving, Dana. Sila means morality, establishing virtues, making our character noble. Bhavana means mental cultivation. So this is the path recommended by the Buddha. Now, let's begin with Dana. Dana, that spirit of generosity, is actually an antidote for what occurs naturally in people. Naturally, we have a lot of uh, self-importance, selfishness, right? Who is not selfish here? Yeah. Many people have become very selfless, but we started off quite selfish. Yeah. Self-centered. We have a lot of self-importance. I am important. My happiness is important. My family is important. My career is important. My health is important. You, know, you cannot export haste to Singapore because my health is affected. Yeah. Yeah. We all start with that. A lot of self-importance. Yeah. Self-centered living. Everything revolves around I. Yeah. Now, the spirit of dana recognizes that besides our own happiness, our own needs, our own comfort, the happiness, needs, and comfort of other beings are equally important. And that is why we make them happy or less suffering. We make them more comfortable by sharing what they need with them. This is what dana is about. Oh, stop thinking about myself. I have this food, this person is hungry. Oh, would you like some? Take. Person feels happy. Persons feel important. And we also feel happy, we also feel joyful. But some people don't feel happy naturally when we give. After giving, we say, <laughs> So people come like that. They count how many to give. So for example, you have a, a six wonton. So how many wonton to give? One wonton, two little. Yeah? Two wonton, yeah. not good Buddhist. So maybe three wonton, yeah? half, half. So we count the material aspects of dana, the value of dana. But we haven't come to the spirit of dana. So the spirit of dana is actually how to make other beings less suffering. How to cherish the comfort and the happiness of other beings. It's not just my happiness is important. The happiness of others too is important. So this is the spirit of dana or chaga. And we can express that spirit by giving material things. Dana is not just about giving material things, but it is easier to start with sharing material things, such as food and, and money. Yeah? Dana can also be in the form of encouragement. When people are in fear, we give them time, a listening ear. We give them the motivation, the encouragement. 
we give them the good counseling or advice. That is also a form of dana. Hmm? So, the essence of dana is we are not the only ones that are important in our life. Yes, this is our life, but we are not the only ones that is important. The comfort and the happiness and the welfare of others are as important. Yeah? So we start with that, dana. Sila. Sila means morality or establishing virtues in ourselves. No. How does that relate to cultivation? Well, we have a lot of improper conduct, don't we? When we think our comfort, our happiness is very important, sometimes added that on with the defilements, we have a lot of improper conduct. Improper conduct in terms of thoughts. Yeah. What kind of uh, thoughts are improper? Hmm? Thoughts of harming others, hurting others, thoughts of uh, jealousy, of anger, yeah. thoughts of uh, yeah. enmity, hmm? violence, that is improper. Yeah. Thoughts of swindling others, cheating, that is improper. And that thought sometimes leads to a lot of improper speech and improper actions. It also leads to improper behavior and livelihood. So we call that wrong livelihoods. Wrong livelihoods bring a lot of suffering to other people, bring potential harm, as well as to ourselves. So, sila, the cultivation of morality and the establishing of virtue, is an antidote to improper conduct and behavior. The the basic form of sila is the observance of the five precepts. Thinking about the safety of other beings, the security of what they possess, and so on. So by observing the five precepts, we keep our behavior proper. Yeah? So this is also the beginning of the cultivation. And there comes the third one, which is called bhavana. What is bhavana? We have heard of the term many times. If we read books on Buddhist teachings, we will definitely come across this term bhavana. Bhavana means mental development. Bhava means to develop. It refers to the developing the mind. Why must we develop the mind? Hmm? Because the defilements that we carry are actually mental defilements, mental impurities. Yeah. These mental impurities affect our thoughts, and our thoughts, our views, affect our speech and action, affects our lives, and our actions and behavior affects the lives of others. And this is why the work is actually uh, mental and spiritual. So bhavana, mental development, is what we call cultivation. Dana, sila, bhavana. Yeah. How do we develop this mind? Hmm? Why do we need to develop this mind if some people are very kind? Now, I know of some people, when I was in college, uh, I, I had a warden and a warden's wife, and they were very wonderful people. They were not Buddhists. But I stayed with them for some time, and uh, I never saw them harming any being. They never kill even insects. 
I never see them uh, speaking ill of others. I never see or witness them cheating or even have the intention to cheat. They're very honest, upright people. You know? And there are lots of people like that in the world. Right? Do they need to develop their minds? The answer is yes. Why? Now we are all right. But latent defilements are there. Latent defilements will arise when conditions change. Now we are born in a peaceful country, peaceful community. All the conveniences are there. We are living in relative comfort, relative good fortune. So we don't need to cheat, we don't need to steal, no. we don't need to break any laws, we don't need to break other people's happiness. But when conditions change, latent defilements operate. So even people who are very good, good fortune, still need the bhavana. No. Because in every being that is unliberated, there are all these latent defilements, kilesa. So this bhavana, many people uh, think of meditation. When they say, oh, dana, sila, bhavana. Bhavana means meditation. And what is meditation? Close the eyes, sit quietly, and try to breathe. <laughs> try to watch that breath in, out, in, out, in, out. Like that. No? That is meditation. That is one of the exercises of meditation. Yeah? But meditation is more than that. When we talk about bhavana, the term is a very broad one. It means mental development. So mental development includes sitting quietly, calming the mind. We call that samatha to achieve samadhi. Samatha means make the mind calm and peaceful and quiet. A lot of times, we behave inappropriately, speak inappropriately when the mind is not calm, yeah. when we are stressed, when we are sad, when we are drunk, when we are angry, yeah. when we are in fear. Now, that kind of things come out inappropriately, correct or not. But when we are calm, we have time to reflect, we have time to think, everything slows down. Ah, behavior is acceptable, quite good. Nah? Mm. But when we lose that, what we call mindfulness, oh, topsy-turvy. Yeah. So how to maintain that mindfulness? How to have that kind of mind that is always calm? The way is by practicing stilling of the mind. Make it still. How to still the mind? Watch a neutral object such as the breath. In and out, in and out. So it's not sitting there counting the breath or sitting there counting the minutes. Yeah. Most people say, okay, half an hour, my handphone will tit, 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 tit. Okay, done. <laughs> this week one quota finished. It's not like that. Yeah, I'm a good Buddhist. The whole idea is the mind is always very hard to please. Mind is always discontented. This mind is 
we call monkey mind, jumping, jumping, jumping. Yeah. If talk is very entertaining, wow, very absorbed in the talk. If already heard before, what <laughs> Start to think of something else. Yeah. Never still, never totally happy, driven by what? Habitual defilements. It's like that. Yeah. Certain talks we heard before, uh, this topic, why is that? Karma and rebirth. Oh, for the 16th time I've heard it. <laughs> yeah. Stop paying attention. This is how the mind operates. It's never still. Therefore, the Buddha says, Chitasa Dhammato Sadhu Chitang Dantang Sukha Vahang. It is good to cultivate stillness of the mind, to discipline this mind so that it is not wild. And if it is tamed, it brings a lot of happiness. Sukha Vahang, it brings happiness, invites happiness, welcomes happiness. So, this is one aspect of mental mental cultivation is called meditation. There are many types of meditation. Some are against the latent anger. Some people may display a lot of anger. To weaken that latent anger or active anger, we have another subject of meditation called metta. The development of metta, loving kindness, is called metta bhavana. This one is also very common and very popular. Metta Bhavana is not just reciting Ahang Aviru Homi Abhyapajo Homi. Okay, Liam Leo Leo. It's not like that. You know, Ahang Aviru Homi. May I be free from anger. May I be free from anger. We have to examine what it means. May I be free from anger. What is anger? Oh, do I have that anger? When do I have the anger? What triggers that anger? And how do I behave when I'm angry? And what kind of suffering I experience when I'm angry? And what kind of suffering I bring to others when I'm angry? So there are a lot of analysis, there's a lot of reflection, there's a lot of uh, thought given to Ahang Averu Homi, may I be free from anger? So that we can fully understand why we want to be free from anger. What's wrong with anger? We may ask people. Isn't it natural to be angry? Isn't it natural to be selfish? Isn't it natural to be competitive? What's wrong with that? We may not know if we don't investigate. When we investigate, we can see, oh, it's really harmful to myself and others. And this is improper and unacceptable. Why must I suffer so much and bring so much suffering to others for something I can overcome? By cultivating myself, I can abandon this. So this is the decision we make when the mind is clear, when we develop the mind, we know how to develop ourselves. So this is called metta bhavana. But bhavana doesn't mean meditation alone. Some people, when they're stressed, already say, ah, it's time for me to go to retreat. Better go to Malaysia, go to Australia. Time to go to retreat. Going retreat helps a lot, but it's not just about stealing the mind. It's also about developing positive qualities in the mind. So under bhavana, meditation or samatha, samadhi is one aspect. Another aspect is called pacha vikati. 
Pachavekati means recollection. How do we recollect things? This is also how we develop the mind. We recollect the qualities of, for example, the Buddha, yeah? the Dhamma and the Sangha. Today we do it in a chanting form. We say, Iti Piso Bhagava Arahang Sama Sambudo. We just chant. And then the, for those who uh, read the translation in English, such indeed is the Blessed One. You know? And uh, these are the qualities. But we don't understand because we haven't recollected the essence of, for example, Sugato. The Buddha, we said, as a welfarer or well-gone. What does it actually mean? Oh, well-gone means gone already. You know? We still go and come and come and go. We are not well-gone yet. Yeah? We are well-come or well-go. <laughs> so well-gone, what does it mean, well-gone? No. There are many meanings well. So we haven't gone into the details of that thing yet. This is, this is called Pachavekati. Look at the Dhamma, not look at the Pali, not look at the verses, but look into the meaning, the Dhamma, the essence, the spirit. So this is one form of development of the mind also. So there are a lot of uh, things. Usually we call it the ten recollections. Yeah. There's even a sutta. It's called uh, Uttana, uh, no, uh, Upajatana Sutta from the Anguttara Nikaya number five. It says these are the five things that we can recollect every day. We can reflect on every day. You know? What are the five things we can reflect? Jara Damunghi Jarang Anatito. I am subject to old age. I'm not free from aging, correct or not? Uh, this one, sometimes people forget. <laughs> Why forget? After put a lot of powder, forget. <laughs> look very fresh and look very young, correct or not? After going to the spa, come out, forget. I am subject to aging. I'm not free from aging. You know? We have a lot of attachment to youth, to life, to youthfulness, to health, and so on. All these we call mada, mada, M-A-D-A. In English, M-A-D, mad. <laughs> Very easy to remember this word. Mada means you're mad with all these things. You're so attached to it, so inclined to it, always thinking about it, you know, cherish it too much, overvaluing them. But underlying this is constant change. You know, in Cantonese, we say, Bom ju. Bom ju means So the first reflection every day is, I am subject to old age. I am not free from aging. And this should give us the glimpse into reality, especially when we are young, it's very important to do that. You know. Uh, to, to understand that we will not forever be in that state of youthfulness. They say, uh, this uh, youth is wasted uh, in the young. Right? When we are young, we have this yobana madha. We are so uh, at attached to this youthfulness. We think that we will never grow old. And that's why we try things very recklessly. 
extreme sports, for example. You know, when you're old already, 75, I don't think you want to try. Exports, you know, when you're young, if you fall also, it doesn't matter. Because why? You're so enamored by, by that youthfulness. We never think that we are going to age, we are not going to, to suffer from aging. So it's very good reflection to in, look into this, that the aging process is. And also for people we love, you know, our parents and grandparents. You know, sometimes we just cannot take it that they have aged and they are sick. So this is a, a good reflection that we do every day. Yeah? Another reflection in the same sutta, it says, Vyadi dhamanghi vyading anatito. I am subject to illness. I'm not free from being sick. You know, we may be sick uh, with uh, different conditions. Now, here's a lot of people are not well. You know, but that is a small thing. But some are more serious. And towards the end of our life, the sickness, when the immunity is very low, may just kill us. So that is a major, major uh, life-changing uh, crisis. So I'm not free from that. You know? If I live long enough, uh, I'm subject to that as well. So sometimes when we see people who are sick, we, f we find it very repulsive. When our friends are well, they look well, they dress well, they behave normally and so on. They're very attractive. But when they're very uh, sick and then they, they, they lose a lot of weight and then uh, they lose hair, they lose this and that, and then sometimes it looks very repulsive. People who are not used to going to hospitals, when they, when they look at the patients there, they find it very hard to accept. I used to visit people in hospitals. And uh, during Dharma talks, I share about this. And then uh, a lot of devotees say, Brata, next time you go to the hospital, uh, please bring us along. And why do I go to hospitals? I did this when I was younger. Because when you go to hospital, you see people who are aged, you see people who are very ill, you see people who are injured. It's not that you enjoy seeing them, but you have a, a sense of understanding that things happen, changes are there. Then you, you see this reality you know, setting in, and you see separation. People die in the hospital all the time. Eight people have died in front of me, I just see them passing away. Yeah. So I used to tell this in Dhamma talks. So a group of uh, ladies say, Bratan, we want to go with you. I say, okay. So once I call, I say, oh, it's near your home. We'll meet there at 8.30. When they visited this cancer patient, it was a very old lady. And uh, when I went in, I said, how are you, auntie? She just smiled and said, oh, not good, not good. And then she started talking, very difficult to swallow, and tubes are everywhere. And then I just uh, counsel her, I say, you know, auntie, you know, things are like that, you know, have to have patience, you know, have to have acceptance, have to stay calm and remember, recollect all the good deeds you have done, recollect all the Dhamma you have learned. As I was saying, as I heard sobbing, 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 sobbing. Then I opened my eyes, and this old lady is okay. <laughs> the two young ladies that came with me were sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. <laughs> until one started crying, you know, one started crying. Then I have to turn to her, sister, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> disturbing the old lady. 
disturbing the concentration. And then she cried, she burst into tears, and I asked her, okay, maybe go outside, stand for a while. The cancer patient, the lady had to pull the tube to one side and say, Kyo ima keksima. Siena ya. I said not to be sad, it's like that one. The cancer patient who is dying has to counsel the person who is well. Sometimes people find this kind of thing unacceptable, very repulsive. You know, we, we have to face the fact that we are also not free from that. And that grounds us, yeah, establishes the good grounding in the Dhamma that we are not proud. You know, when you're successful also, you're not proud and boastful. You know. If can sit, wow, can sit for four hours in a stretch. Yeah. Huh? How long you sit? One hour only. Uh. <laughs> four hours I can sit continuously. When you're old, half an hour gives you pain. Numbness. Cannot sit even like this. Sit on the chair and so on. Don't be proud. When we don't reflect carefully, pride. Pride is called mana. Just now, mada. Mada means what? Mad, xiao leo. Mana means conceit. This one also mental defilement. Everyone has or not this conceit? Ubo. Jebo. Either they don't have or they don't understand Hokkien. Mana, this conceit everyone has. When we are successful, just concluded business, just got promoted, just got new car, just got new ship. Very proud. Not grounded in the Dhamma, one can be proud. Grounded in the Dhamma, one remains humble and unaffected. See, we all like people who are humble and not boastful. But sometimes we cannot resist boasting, being boastful. Correct or not? Even though it is our grandchildren, not our achievement. Grandchildren get A also, we boast a bit. We say, not our achievement. So I used to tell Malaysians going overseas, I say, you go overseas, don't be boastful. Now I don't have to say like that anymore. We cannot boast of anything. So this is another reflection. Another one is, Maranang damanghi, maranang anatito. I'm not free from death. I'm subject to death. We sometimes forget. Very often we forget. We all know, isn't it? Do we know that we are going to die? Except we don't know when, right? And we don't know how, right? All of us think, I'm going to live to 120, you know. Then in my warm bed, and then surrounded by people I love, and then Brother Tan come do chanting. <laughs> Not always happen. Not always happen as we, we imagine. Yeah. But we know, but we forget. It's a knowledge that we often forget. We are going to die, subject to death. And do we always die old? No. Yeah. People can die young. You say, old wisdom in young body, young body may, may go first. <laughs> you know? Old body can last longer. Sometimes young body go first. 
Death comes when it comes. We don't know when. So, because we never think of that, it's a knowledge that we forget. We sometimes do not live in a humble and grounded manner. We never think of uh, the importance of being good. Yeah? Occasionally we do good, but we forget to be good. Why is it important to be good? Because if tonight we die, we will not have any regrets that this morning I scolded someone. This afternoon I thought ill of someone. You know, this evening I harmed someone. Who knows tonight? We may not see the sunset. Who knows if we get a chance to see the sunset? Tomorrow we cannot see sunrise. Who knows? People die anytime. So when we are grounded in that knowledge, when we don't forget that we are going to die, we will be grounded in goodness. Also when we get into unhappy situations, say that it's not worth spending my remaining days or even hours or minutes being so unhappy, full of defilements. Let me abandon these defilements and live joyfully and mindfully. When we are grounded in death, yes, that happens. Or, it's not no point for me to always be angry and hold on to this grudge. I'm angry, I'm dying. The person I'm angry with also will die. At the end, all of us perish. What's the use of these defilements? It's tormenting to all. Therefore, I should abandon these defilements of anger. So this reflection about death, recollection of death, is also very important. We call it maranang nusati. Maranang damonghi, maranang anatito. I am dying. I am subject to death. The fourth one, another recollection, is sabehi me piehi manapehi. Nana bao vinabao. Whatever is dear to me, whatever I'm attached to, one day I will be separated and parted from them. It includes people, property, you know, uh, pets, possessions, things that we built up, for example, companies, uh, our position, our name our reputation, our families, everything that we hold dear to will one day be separated from us permanently. We are very impermanent. But all these things will be one day permanently separated from us. So that reduces the pride of possessing all these things. At the same time, the attachment to all these superfluous things. They are all superfluous. They are all external. None of these things can go with us. In Chinese we say, even if we send someone off on the final journey, you know the final journey is not to Changi Airport. <laughs> <laughs> the final journey already. And then we bury the person. You know, All the relatives and so on around the grave see the person being buried. None of the relatives jump in to be with us. They all finally turn back, go home continue with their lives. All of us will have to journey on alone, separated forever with the things we love and hold dear to. This is a fact, correct or not? 
It has always been like that. It will be like that for us as well. Another reflection, the fifth one. Kamasa konghi, kamma dhayado, kamma yoni, kamma bandu, kamma patisarano. I am the inheritor of the karma. My conduct, my behavior, my action, whatever I do. Kalyana va, papakang va, whatever wholesome or unwholesome deeds that I perform. Tasa dhayado bhavisanti. I am the inheritor of the result. There is a consequence to, to my actions. There's a result of whatever I do. So this is also a very important reflection because we forget. Sometimes we are very irresponsible. Not just our behavior is improper, but also we are irresponsible. Due to what? Due to ignorance. We don't care. You know, she scolded me, I scolded her double. <laughs> <laughs> And then we feel very proud. Ah, we can sometimes escape from the law. Singapore maybe cannot, but other places can. <laughs> but we cannot escape from the law of karma. Yeah? We cannot escape from aging and sickness and death. We cannot escape from separating uh, from all the things we love and hold dear to. And we cannot escape from the results of our karma. So these are the five things that every day we reflect to ground us properly in what we call cultivation. To cultivate our character, to make ourselves more and more malleable, to make ourselves more and more noble, better and better as a person. Yeah? So this is the essence of Buddhism. It is a path of cultivation, and this is how we cultivate ourselves. Right? Now, this is a recollection. There's another one, mental uh, development. It's called Pati Sanchikati, reflection. Yeah? Reflection means to recollect our behavior for the day, for example. Not just for the whole life, but day by day we recollect ourselves. You know, by this evening, after meditation. Meditation, for example, many people are doing uh, anapanasati. Uh, after calming ourselves ready. Apart from meditation, we have to also perform reflections. How do we reflect? Normally, we reflect, we get an impression, an image of ourselves in front of a mirror, right? Yeah put the mirror in front, and then we reflect. Yeah? There is a reflection there. So same thing, when we do reflection as cultivation, we also put a mirror there, and we reflect our behavior in the mirror, see our image in that mirror, how far it runs or how far it stays true. That mirror needs to be a polished mirror, otherwise cannot see very clearly. If very dusty, full of uh, stain, the reflection is distorted. So we have to rub the mirror, keep it clean. That mirror in Pali it is called Dhamma Pariyaya. Dhamma Pariyaya means the mirror of Dhamma. Yeah? Have you heard of this mirror before? The Buddha said Dhamma Pariyaya is for us to reflect our behavior. 
every day sit in front, not of a physical mirror, but Dhamma. Put the Dhamma in front of us and then see. Have I lived my day fruitfully? How did I spend my minutes and hours? Because day and night fly by like jets, very fast, and they never return. You never live the same day the second time in samsara. Every day in samsara, samsara can be very long, but every day is unique. You never live the same day twice. Once it goes, it never comes. So how have I spent my day? How did I spend my morning? Oh, kun be che. Then I thought, yeah, better don't go BF listen. Really. Uh, these are defilements or not defilements? Uh, defilements. Then luckily, I tell myself, yeah, cannot be lazy. Even if I'm late, I can still try my best to make it. Uh, that is Dhamma, that is urgency. So in our course of the daily activities, there are defilements and freedom from defilements. There are impurities and also the suppression of impurities. So all these activities we have to reflect. But we need to first learn about Dhamma. Otherwise the mirror is very small. You know, mirror is so small because we learn only very little bit Dhamma. So mirror is so small, we only see what a distorted figure of ourselves. But when we learn Dhamma already, we learn Dhamma, the mirror increases in size. Yeah. After we hear, after we read, after we ask questions, we learn more and more Dhamma, mirror increase in size. However, you are not going to benefit much from learning the Dhamma if you don't use it as a mirror to reflect on our behavior. It's just the mirror increase. But when you reflect, in front of that mirror, you can still see the ugliness. It is not us that have improved. Do you understand? So knowledge of Dhamma is very good. But every day we must use the Dhamma like a mirror, put in front of us and reflect. I've learned so much Dhamma. Some people are very scared of the truth, correct or not? For example, Metta, 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 Metta. You know, only Sunday. Come Monday to Friday, bometa. <laughs> very difficult to have loving kindness, very difficult to be free from greed and so on. So when we look ourselves in front of the Dhamma mirror, we get this uh, ugliness and we are afraid of looking. Not? And this is not cultivation. Cultivation means after learning Dhamma, the knowledge builds a clearer picture of what is essential. Then, every day, put ourselves with what we have learned in the past, reflect carefully on our activities, on our response, on our behavior of the day, and see whether it is in accordance to Dhamma or against Dhamma. Yeah? If it is in accordance to the Dhamma, then we are making progress in the Dhamma. If it is against the Dhamma, we are regressing, we are go going away from the Dhamma. So this is how the, the Dhamma that we learn is the mirror that increases in size, but it is of no use 
if we do not use that Dhamma Pariyaya, that mirror of Dhamma, to reflect on our behavior. So besides everyday doing meditation, calming our mind, calming our mind is suppressing the defilements. At that moment, we feel very blissful and free from stress. But we haven't cleared ourselves from the defilements as yet. So the reflection helps. So put ourselves in front of what we have learned in terms of dana, in terms of sila, in terms of so many other aspects, and then see how do I measure up to all these noble qualities? How noble are my own qualities? That ties in with earlier recollection of the Buddha's qualities, of the Dhamma's qualities, of the Sangha's qualities. Those we call pachavekati. We reflect, we recollect, we remember those qualities. And here is, we reflect upon those qualities, whether they are found within ourselves. This is called pati sangjikati. Okay, all these under mental development. So mental development is a huge subject. And they are important uh, aspects of cultivating our character. You understand better now? Yeah. So a lot of people, if we don't learn Dhamma, we may have a, a faulty mirror to start with. It is not the mirror of Dhamma, but a mirror of ourselves, our perception. You know, that mirror will give us a wrong image. It's not the true image. So when we don't have Dhamma, or we use the wrong mirror, when we think about it, oh, this morning I said like this to her, that's because she said like that to me. So if anyone say like that to me, definitely I will say like that back to her. So I'm right, she's wrong. Uh, we use that to justify ourselves. Yeah. So it is self-justification. I was thinking that, of course, when we quarrel, that's because she didn't understand the whole thing. Not like me, I understand everything. Uh, this is quite common. In a person who never learned Dhamma and reflect properly, this happens. Even in temples, this happens. You know? In temple, after learning some uh, principles, we use that to argue. Sometimes we use Dhamma to argue. Use Pali to argue. <laughs> it's very proficient. Yeah? Why? This Dhamma is not properly used. Dhamma is not used to measure other people's behavior. Dhamma should be used like a mirror for us to reflect on our own behavior. Not any other use. Not any other use. Only for that. Only for one use. And this is for ourselves. You understand? Dhamma is universal. But it is used as a mirror not to zhao yao jing. But it is used to reflect on our own behavior and our own uh, mental uh, defilements and so on. And we have to be very honest about it. If we have a supportive community, Kalyanamitras, if we have a good teacher, Kalyanamita, then we can always approach them for spiritual help. Oh, I, after reflection, I found myself unable to overcome this. I find it quite challenging to overcome my grudge or my unhappiness over 
uh, this issue. I know I'm wrong. I just can't apologize. Yeah. This happens to many people too, right? Yeah? So most of the time we just sweep them under the carpet. We just can't apologize. So never mind. Lah. It will pass. Ani <laughs> Chang. See, misuse Dhamma some more. <laughs> this is abuse of Dhamma. We say it's Ani Chang. Yeah. No, this is not how Dhamma is practiced. So we go to the Kalyanamita and say, Oh, brother, it is a gain for you. It's good for you. It's wholesome of you to acknowledge this fault. The right thing to do now is to face it with courage. Go and just apologize. Sometimes, with the encouragement of our Kalyanamitras, we find ourselves courageous enough to do it. Kalyanamitras are very important. You know, if we go to a group and then they say, "Huh, like that ah? Actually, eh, you shouldn't apologize." <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you are wrong, but she's also wrong. So you shouldn't apologize. Now you're even. Mm. Yeah. Two wrongs does not make one right. Yeah. So we cannot uh, sometimes uh, neglect the importance of having this Kalyanamitras. Wise friends, they can give us the right kind of impetus, the right kind of motivation and courage, encouragement for us to do the right decision. So this is the cultivation that is meant in Dhamma. There's a lot of uh, reflection and uh, in normal terms people say soul searching. Yeah, you don't have to search very far, you know, because there's no soul. You, know, you, you don't say, what's this, what's this, why am I unhappy, why, 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 why things do not go my way? Because our individual ways do not guarantee peace and happiness. You know, this is not the path to liberation. The path to liberation is already terang terang. We say in Malay, it's already very clear. Ming ming bai bai, yi tiao lu. There's a lot of people just see the path but refuse to cultivate. And this is very simple to, to understand. But do not underestimate people, yeah? We cannot see people not cultivating and underestimate them. During the Buddha's time, uh, there, was a, uh, there were many religions also. And people who belong to other faiths, they have other teachers, they also criticize. And some even try to harm, physically, harm, uh, hurt the Buddha, uh, abuse the Buddha, you know, in speech, slander the Buddha, and so on. But the Buddha never condemned them. Uh, the Buddha never condemned any being. Because in every being, there is this potential to be good, and there's this potential to be liberated. And that's why there's a very beautiful teaching the Buddha gave. Yata sankara danasmin ujitasmin mahapate padumang tata jaita Suji Gandang Manoramang. He said, even by the side of the road where people used to throw rubbish, you know, India those days, they, they throw a lot of rubbish outside the village, not inside the village, outside the village, there's a rubbish dump. 
everything they throw there. But after some time, over that rubbish dump grows beautiful fragrant flowers. Those days, of course, all rubbish were organic. <laughs> everything is organic. You have no plastic, no metal, nothing. It's all organic. So after a few years, the whole rubbish dump becomes a beautiful, very fertile garden. And then they will throw it another place and another place. So the Buddha pointed out this. You see, even by the rubbish heap, by the roadside, beautiful flowers will bloom. You know, so fragrant, so colorful. Yeah. Even so, the Buddha said, Evang Sankara Bhute Su Anda Bhute Putu Jani Ati Rocha Tipanyaya Sama Sambuddha Savako. Even so, among people, general population, most people are blind. Anda Bhute Putu Jani. The Buddha used very um, strong uh, comparison. He said, most people are blind. Andabute means blind. Blind doesn't mean we cannot see. Blind doesn't blind means we cannot see the truth. We cannot see reality. You know? So we are akin to being blind. Yeah? But those who can see the truth, those who are wise, are those with eyes. And they will shine forth. So even in the society, in a normal distribution, in a normal population, there are people, majority of people cannot see the truth, cannot appreciate Dhamma. But there are those who are wise, there are those who have little dust in their eyes and they can see the Dhamma. You know? So we can still learn from them. So a lot of times uh, we condemn people, we say that you know, people cannot understand and they are unwise and they, they do not appreciate the Dhamma. But in essence, in Buddhism, no one is condemned, no being is condemned. When people harm you, yeah, they are driven by their defilements. Sometimes people hurt you, they are driven by their habits. In every sense, people are driven only by their ignorance. So as long as ignorance is there, the latent defilements is there, they are going to harm you, going to harm themselves. They are going to cause a lot of suffering in the world. This is what defilements do. So the key point is to remove these defilements, to purify ourselves. And that is the path of cultivation. The path of cultivation is the path of purification. The path of purification is the path of liberation. So this is what the Buddha taught. So when we journey on the path, remember, it's not learning more and more. No? Many people they think, oh, I, my dharma not so good, so I want to learn more and more and more. The key is actually clearer and clearer. You know? It's like the mirror. It's clean. It's not stained. It's not dusty. We clear the mirror so that we can reflect on ourselves and say, oh, I'm like that, still inadequate. You know? So remember, it's not more and more is clearer and clearer. How much Dhamma do we need to know? Frankly, Four Noble Truths, Eight Noble Path, that is the path to liberation. That is quite adequate. Unless you want to teach, then you have to learn a lot more. You, you need to be able to discuss with people a lot more other topics. But to cultivate oneself, this essential education is adequate. So it's not learning more and more, but clearer and clearer. 
Many people say, oh, Four Noble Truths, I've heard it many times. I want to hear something else. I want to learn more. So it's not more. It's clearer and clearer. Okay. Another thing, Buddhist likes to do things. What can I do? What can I do? Yeah. Do good. Yeah. Anyone can do good. But Buddhists also need to be good. Yeah. Even bad people can do good. Yeah. Bad characters can do good. They can be very generous and helpful if they want to. But the key in cultivating ourselves is not to do more good only, but to be good, to be better. Yeah. So these are the important points, the salient characteristics of this uh, sasana, this Buddha's dispensation, is the cultivation that leads to purification, which leads to liberation from suffering. When we are free from defilements, not only we free ourselves from suffering and harm, we actually free ourselves from harming others. We do not cause unhappiness to other people. You know? yeah? This is also uh, very vital for us. We are all connected in a way. You know, whatever we do, you know, sometimes people say uh, uh, something to you, and 20 years later it still comforts you very, very much. You still feel, oh, I'm so inspired because of that thing. It's so uplifting. You see the potential each of us can do, the potential that we can help others you know, with our wisdom, with our good behavior. And also the potential happiness that we can enjoy, the pot potential joy that, that we can experience every day. You know? So a lot of times we are too morose, yeah? we are too uh, negative. Yeah? We have to learn the Dhamma which brings about this positivity. Mm -hmm. Many people accuse Buddhists of life negating. Life negating means if you work, don't earn too much. No good. Not moderate. Don't have ambition. Don't fight for promotion. Yeah. All your possession, anichang. <laughs> so, compared to other religions, which is uh, life embracing, many people think Buddhism is life negating. Hamibun mai, hamibun mai. No, no, it's not like that. The Buddha taught two types of Dhamma. They are both truth. One is called Samuti Dhamma or Samuti Sacha, worldly truth. Work hard, help others, help yourself, and then gain prosperity, gain success, gain good reputation, gain heavenly birth. These are all life embracing, they are not life negating. That is also truth. The Buddha taught Mangala Sutta, for example. These are the way to fortunate rebirth. These are the way to great blessings. That is also taught by the Buddha. That is truth. But the Buddha also taught another kind of truth, another level called Paramatha Sacha. It's the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is, in essence, worldly or otherwise, we are all subject to the characteristics of this existence of anichang, of dukkha, of unsatisfactoriness. And in essence, all are devoid of self, anatta. 
So both life, embracing, and not are both subject to anicca, dukkha, and anatta. It is like that. This is the truth. So you can work very hard, you can be very successful, and not, at the end of the day, we are not free from uh, sickness, old age, death, and separation, and karma. Within that ambit, within that knowledge, within that wisdom, we operate. So ultimately, Buddhists talk about not salvation. Yeah, others, salvation comes from the word safe. And to save oneself, to be saved. Actually, you can't save yourself, but you need to be saved. Salvation. But Buddhists talk about liberation. Liberation means to be free. Free ourselves from defilements. Yeah? So this is the key message that we want to share today. I hope you have been uh, um, well, better informed about uh, the Dhamma. And uh, you'd like to also, if you'd like to give some comments, also ask some questions, or maybe I ask you questions. It's <laughs> <laughs> so all very welcome. Yeah, all very welcome. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for your uh, keen attention. And I want to wish everyone well, happy, and peaceful. And remember, Buddhists need to work very hard, no? not sit there. <laughs> not like that, you know. That's work too, yeah? But at the same time, a lot of times, reflection is lacking, yeah? Meditation is lacking, no doubt, but reflection is almost absent. So whatever Dharma we learn, remember that's our mirror. Every day, polish, polish, polish. Don't polish the apple, polish the mirror. <laughs> now, polish the mirror already, sit in front and be honest. And sometimes you see, wow, bo sui. Yeah, sometimes you get very scared. Wow, bu mei ha, wo zhe ge, bu neng Better change mirror, change to another brand. No, whether you change or not, if truth is very important. So we face up to it bravely, courageously, changing, changing, transforming ourselves, cultivating, cultivating. Soon we find ourselves ah peaceful. Yeah. So learn this from Harry Potter. You know, in Harry Potter, I can't remember which episode, I just saw the trailer that people show. I didn't see the show, but it was a very good trailer. There's a mirror that calls, I think it's the mirror of truth, the mirror of wishes. So when you stand in front of the mirror, your deepest wishes will be portrayed in the mirror. And I think in the film, it says that the happiest person is one who stands in front of that magic mirror and sees exactly himself. That means you don't wish or you don't need to improve yourself. That is perfected. Yeah. So this is a wonderful thing. And the same thing with Dhamma Pariyaya. When you stand in front of the mirror, mirror of Dhamma and then you see that this is perfected. There is nothing that you need to done. To, to be done further, then we can announce katang karaniyang. Uh, you can even announce in Pali, more fashionable. Katang uh. karaniyang, <coughs> whatever needs to be done is already done. Vusitang brahmachariyang, the noble life has been lived to its ultimate fruit. This is my last birth. I shall not be born again. Mm. 
I don't mean myself. <laughs> As I say. This is the declaration of those who are liberated. Uh, not my declaration. Yeah. Every arahan says that at the end of the, the thing. So you better learn the Pali properly. <laughs> With that, I thank everyone for your kind attention and uh, thank you again for having me back in uh, Buddhist Fellowship. I wish everyone well, happy and peaceful always. Suki Hontu. Um, so I think uh, it's a culture to have some comments from the floor, uh, if there's any. So I don't know whether uh, anyone wants to ask any questions or, you know, from Brother Tan. It's a kind of great opportunity since he's here. I mean, we only allowed one or two questions. Yeah. Okay, there's one. Over there. Thank you, Bertan, for the very un interesting and enlightening talk. You, you started the talk by talking about uh, Christianity being uh, a, what do you call this, the faith, and then the Islam being obedience and Buddhism being liberation. And also implied in it is the, the Indian Hindu being the search of the universal soul and so on. And, and there are many people in each of these religions. So, so my question is that in this world, there are many paths to uh, spiritual uh, realization. I won't call it liberation. And each path has got its own way of fulfilling themselves. So that there's no such thing as a wrong path. Uh, as, as long as you're in the path and you follow, uh, doing good, avoiding evil, be good, and purify yourself, then there should be some form of liberation in each of these religions. So I'd like you to comment on that. There are many philosophies, ideologies, religions, spiritual uh, understanding uh, in this world, many spiritual practices in this world. And all those uh, bona fide, those that are genuine and those that are proven, give degrees of happiness to their followers, to the practitioners. Those who follow Hinduism, Christianity, Buddhism, uh, Islam, genuinely who understand the spirit and who are kind, who are good, they all experience degrees of joy and happiness. But the Buddha said those who follow Dhamma yeah, to the very end achieve liberation. So those who follow religion yeah, achieve a lot of joy. If we avoid evil, we are free from the remorse and the uh, disturbance of the unhappiness of being unwholesome. If we do good, we enjoy, we experience the deeper uh, satisfaction of doing good, helping others. If we purify ourselves from anger or grudge or jealousy, then we experience the joy that is associated with that freedom. So if people follow bona fide religion or philosophies, they can be very joyful. They can be very happy. They can be very satisfied. Yeah. But the Buddha said, those who follow the Dhamma can be liberated. So, if we follow, for example, Buddhism, yeah, 
Buddhism is also a religion. It is a religion. But Buddhism, uh, originally the Buddha didn't teach Buddhism. Originally the Buddha taught Dhamma. So Dhamma leads to liberation. Religions and philosophies can lead to great joy and satisfaction. And this is what the Buddha said. Hmm? We allow one more questions. I think. Okay. Uh, I refer to your word cultivation. Uh, refer to the mainly in Asia. I'm talking on the whole world, of course. The country which is more religious in general in Asia, I'm not mistaken, is more. Uh, <coughs> trouble with the regard to the living or being together. But if I see not so religious country where I have been as well, uh, less problem. But how to cultivate? But I believe that people need religion, need teaching, like you say, or maybe Dharma. But how to cultivate this to make it more effective? with regard to the teaching? Very, very good question and very pertinent as well. Countries that seem to be very religious also seem to have uh, less degrees of freedom for its people. Yeah, and also a lot of things are, are stifled. And uh, it is very understandable. Uh, whereas countries that seem to be less religious uh, appears to be uh, more free and uh, more liberal and uh, happier in that sense. This is also understandable. Actually, it has nothing to do with uh, the country being religious, more religious or not. But in countries where the people are unhappy, could be because the religion of one group or the understanding, the interpretation of one group is imposed on the rest. So when this is being done, then people feel oppressed, people feel unhappy. There is less uh, liberal uh, uh, leeways, there are less uh, liberal interpretations. You know? A lot of things seem stifled. So it's not whether people are more religious or not. In Singapore, you can be very religious, but you can keep it to yourself. You know? This is the, the official policy. You keep it to yourself, you can be extremely religious, you can be a monk, you can be an arahan. Uh, yeah. But uh, in many countries, they want everyone to, to believe what they believe. So there is a degree of oppressiveness there. So this is probably what we can see yeah, from the world. And uh, it's not just happening today, from the past also. At any one time where uh, a group of people try to impose their views, you know, views may not be even religious. It could be ideology, for example, socialism or communism or fascism. Uh, when they impose on others, then the result is always a lot more suffering. Yeah? And this is the poison of view. Yeah? We call it diti mana, the conceit of view, or diti upadana, the attachment to one's views. You say, I believe uh, this ism is the best. It could be communism, it could be Buddhism, it could be uh, uh, fascism, it could be any ism. 
capitalism. I believe this is the best. And then we form our whole views uh, on that uh, concept, on that premise. And we start to justify and argue and sometimes even uh, impose this on other people. So it could be any ism, it could be capitalism, it's not just religion. When we do that, the DT, mana, the conceit of views, always lead to suffering for ourselves and for others. So in Buddhism, DT upadana, the attachment to view, is seen as a very deep-seated ignorance. It's seen as very deep-seated defilement. And this is one of the things that we need to clear before we are liberated. You know, we can be liberated from views. Okay. So, do you understand that? Okay. Uh, there's one more. Uh, the lady there want to ask a burning question, I suppose. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, dear Brother Tan, I have um, this question regarding the reflection of the five marks of existence. There is a uh, aging you, I mean, aging uh, illnesses, death, uh, separation from loved ones, and our karma. Okay, for those of us who lack the spe uh, spiritual maturi maturity, you know, when we reflect on this, it will inevitably bring about sadness because we still have this attachment to our loved ones. We are worried that after we are gone, you know, what will happen to them. So how do we deal with this kind of emotion that bring forth when we reflect on this five uh, mark of existence? Thank you. Yeah, very important question. Um, because when we sometimes reflect that uh, we are going to die and we are going to be separated by whatever we have built, whatever we have gain so why work so hard you know so so, <laughs> yeah. so we are we are all going to perish anyway so there needs to be a balance and that is why in the area of what we call cultivation there are uh, segments or what you call uh, areas which balances each other you know, we call that kamatana. Kama means what we need to do. Tana means foundation. What we need to do to give us a strong foundation for the establishment of right views. Yeah. To view things properly, according to Dhamma. So that is called kamatana. In kamatana, there is a lot of uh, positive, uh, what you call, uh, cultivations such as metta and karuna. They are very positive. I mentioned the example of the two ladies which followed me to the hospital and sobbing and later crying. When they saw, they couldn't accept that one day their mothers will also be like that. They themselves can be like that. So that's how they felt. Yeah, A lot of sadness. That can be alleviated and overcome by metta and karuna. Yeah loving-kindness, compassion, and joy. When we see other people successful, we are joyful, you know. Uh, for example, see uh, what you call uh, our friends get promotion or new boyfriend or whatever, then <laughs> sympathetic joy. And then uh, equanimity, yeah. 
There's a lot of equanimity, thinking that, yeah, although things perish, but today, today, what I'm doing is very important. What I'm doing must be based on the right effort. So a lot of times when we reflect, uh, it's very life-embracing. Uh, yeah, it's not life-negating, it's life-embracing. We have uh, this series of uh, reflection which we do every day, as well as meditation to calm ourselves. If we don't calm ourselves, just reflecting without meditating, we feel sometimes sad, agitated, frustrated, fearful, and uh, negative. So we need to also still our mind. Yeah? When we only do meditation without reflection, our mind may be calm when we meditate, but latent defilements remain, and right views cannot be established. So meditation should be done in conjunction with reflection. And reflection has to be done in conjunction with meditation and contemplation. Yeah? So this is what we call bhavana. It's actually a very wide subject. Perhaps the uh, next uh, occasion when we have the chance, we will talk further about the balancing, which is uh, essential too. Yeah? So just today, uh, in your mind, know that there is this important balances that keeps us even. It is just like a boat or ocean-going vessel. Yeah? You, you construct a boat that can balance itself given some degree of uh, what you call turbulence and shaking also. There are things that are built in that stabilizes ourselves so that we arrive uh, safely uh, on the other shore. Okay? So I think... Okay, okay, with that, I think, uh, thank you, uh, Brother Tan, uh, for sharing. Uh, shall we say ourselves uh, three times sadhu, three, Brother Tan? Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.